Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creation Podcast, the show where we discuss the science that confirms scripture. I'm your host, Ivana, and today I have with me Dr. Randy Galuza, ICR's president. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Well, I'm very glad to have this time to sit with you. I wanted to talk about a little bit further into this discussion because you've been on the show before. You've talked about natural selection, and I wanted to go further because, as you mentioned in that episode, there's a lot of faulty science behind behind this idea of natural selection and that explanation. And it's fairly problematic for those who are Christians and they affirm Christ as the creator, but they're also holding to this view. And so I wanted to talk about, if you could just briefly recap, what is natural selection and then how continuous environmental tracking, that's something you mentioned um, before, but we're gonna go deeper into that in this episode. And with continuous environmental tracking or CET as we'll probably refer to it, how does that meet uh, the need that natural selection doesn't? From the previous podcast, we found out that natural selection really is a, a broad topic. It's just mm-hmm. not survival of the fittest as you and I learned in school. And in the last podcast, we discussed that there really isn't a, a definite definition of natural selection. There isn't one that is fully agreed upon. And I remember reading some quotes by Doolittle and Michael Hodge, these experts that indicated that people would be surprised who actually uh, work in the field that there isn't a unified definition. And particularly lay people would be totally surprised that there isn't a Mm -hmm. definition like just survival of the fittest. But really, it's just an interpretive framework where people look at data or they look at a biological phenomenon and they interpret it. And they actually interpret it from a completely different perspective than what an engineer might interpret the exact same data. So as you alluded to, continuous environmental tracking, that's an engineering-based framework, and we'll get to that in just a second. But the main difference, one of the main differences between an engineering perspective and that of natural selection is how they would interpret how organisms relate to their environment. So you're relating to me right now. I'm Mm -hmm. your environment, and you're my environment right here between the two of us. And all organisms have to relate to their environment. So the question is, how does that happen? Are organisms basically driven from the outside? Are they molded and shaped from the outside? Or are they molded and shaped from the inside out? Now, prior to Darwin, everybody looked at organisms as the causative agent. And that's really an engineering perspective. So if we were to launch a space shuttle into outer space, it's going to go through all these different kinds of environments. And as engineers, we know the only thing we can affect is the space shuttle itself. So how it performs is based on the traits that we give the space shuttle. Is this making sense? Yeah. All right. it's, mm-hmm. So that's all we can adjust. That's all we can fix. If something breaks, that's, that's where we're at. That's called an internalistic perspective. It's what's internal to the designed entity. And before Darwin, people looked at creatures pretty much internalistically. It's like, what could they do? How could they function? Well, Darwin completely changed that around with his conception of selection, which is really a worldview that most people refer to as selectionism. And he looks at the organism-environment relationship in terms of the environment, of how the environment is really molding and shaping and changing organisms from the outside in. And I don't think very many people even understand this. In fact, I know most evolutionists don't understand it, and clearly most creationists don't as well. 
So I would, I would recommend that people go to a, a really definitive work. If you're really interested in this, go to the work by an evolutionist named Stephen Jay Gould in his book, The Structure of Evolutionary Theory. He's, he's also passed away now, but he explains it really well. So if you will allow me, mm-hmm. I'm going to read some things from sure. his book and others that explain exactly what Darwin did as explained by Stephen Jay Gould. And he's setting forth something that's really... Uh, pretty important in the book, and that's why he says, I proceed in this way for a principled reason and not merely as convenience. All major evolutionary theories before Darwin. So what do you think there? There was people who were thinking about evolution before Darwin. All major evolutionary theories before Darwin are presenting a fundamentally internalist account based on intrinsic and predictable patterns set by the nature of living systems for development or unfolding through time. Darwin's theory, in strong and revolutionary contrast, presents a first externalist account of evolution. Darwin overturned all previous traditions by thus granting the external environment a causal and controlling role in the direction of evolutionary change. Mm -hmm. Revolutionary, and it fundamentally changed the way we see biology. So when we would see a group of organisms and some of them are faced with a challenge and some of them meet that challenge and go and fill that niche Mm -hmm. and others don't, or after the fall, some of them die, Darwin would say that the environment favored some of them or the environment, what, selected for Mm -hmm. or selected against or acted on them. He sees it from the perspective of the environment favoring and, and pulling them into Whereas an internalist account looks at what the organisms can do and how they can fill that environment. It's, it's, it sounds like it's just semantics, but it isn't. It goes to the fundamental root of causality. Is, is that making sense? Yeah, that makes uh, complete sense. And I love that you're, you said it just, it sounds like we're just re-saying the sentence, but you're really not. You're, you're shifting Um, that cause, like you said, what is actually causing this. So thank you for laying that foundation. I think that's going to be helpful. Um, So we've talked about the why, but I want to get into it in a little bit deeper sense. If you could just explain, because this idea of CET, it's probably new to a lot of our audience. So as they're trying to maybe undo, because for me personally, that was something I believed that maybe natural selection was the mechanism for which God brought about these changes and until I encountered ICR, and that was a change in my perspective. So for our audience, could you go a little bit deeper into what are these changes? Sum up CET just a little bit more um, as far as what this looks like. Yes, because CET is going to be the exact opposite of selectionism. It's a completely different way of looking at it. It's based on an engineering perspective. Mm-hmm. And so right off the bat, we, we set out that Darwin is looking at things externalistically and that he actually set up the entire way we're going to look at biology this way moving forward, that it's going to look at organisms as if they are being pulled rather than driving themselves, which is a big difference. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's really the way he looks at it is very mystical. As we mentioned in our last podcast, he personifies nature as if it's an agent. So I'll just read, read one more thing. This is actually sure. really important because it sets out a difference. There's two other researchers, one from Harvard and one from UC Berkeley, who 
have another book in case anybody's look, interested in it called The Plausibility of Life. It was published in 2005 by Kirshner and Gerhardt. And it, this is going to set a big fundamental difference between CET and selectionism. He, and they were speaking of Darwin here, accepted the view that the environment directly instructs the organism how to vary. Of course, we'd ask now, how, how does the environment ever send instructions? Right. I mean, that's totally mystical. And then it says, and he, that is Darwin, proposed a mechanism for inheriting those changes. And they're talking about natural selection. The organism was like modeling clay. And remolding the clay meant that each of the billions of little grains was free to move in a little bit in any direction in order to form new shapes. So Darwin sees organisms as that, modeling clay being molded by their environment, shaped by their environment. He basically sees you and I and all creatures as somewhat passive to the whims of the environment. So we have an externalist account. We have one that personifies nature. We have one that views organisms as passive modeling clay. We have one that is anti-design. And we mentioned this in the last podcast. That's why Darwin relies so heavily on randomness, random genetic changes, random environmental fluctuations, no goal in mind, no purpose in mind. It's a purposeless way of looking at creatures. He's setting it up in that way. So we have we have modeling clay, external, random, passive creatures. Whereas an engineered approach would be the exact opposite. Okay. So let's go to purpose. Engineers don't do things without a purpose. They do things very purposefully. So we would expect, rather than having random genetic changes or random uh, outcomes, that there would be very purposeful outcomes. In other words, that if the environment changes and the organism were to change, that would be a targeted change, targeted. We would be looking at what the organism can do in terms of its innate capability, so that would be internalistic. So if the organism succeeds or not in solving the problem, to use the vernacular of the millennials today, it's on the organism, (laughs) it's on them. It's not on the environment, it's on the organism. And then we would not see organisms as passive modeling clay. This is very important for whoever is listening. You fundamentally change the way you see organisms from passive modeling clay to seeing them as active, problem-solving entities that can take on their challenges, overcome those challenges, and fill those niches. So from an engineering perspective, We would expect that how organisms adapt, and CET is an engineering-based model of adaptation, Mm -hmm. to be characterized as highly regulated, usually very rapid, repeatable if necessary, and with responses that are so targeted that they are even predictable. Mm. I love that you're talking about the engineering aspect of it because... um, just thinking about CET in contrast to natural selection, CET attributes a lot more value, I would say, to the organisms rather than natural selection. You know, just passive creatures, they're subject to whatever the environment does to them or changes them. Um, whereas CET is, is talking about how these things were created in such a way to survive and thrive and function well. Um, so that's that's vastly different um, than what natural selection would normally attribute to life right. in general. 
Um, so this is very much championing life as, right. as a good thing and not, we talk about it often at ICR that natural selection is, is really death focused. Mm-hmm. Um, so it changes through death. So that is valuable information for all of our listeners and viewers to, to catch on to. Um, so we see that organisms are well-suited for life and they adapt quickly to their surrounding. And with natural selection, we're seeing that that's the environment uh, that makes the change. And you mentioned the personification of nature, that nature is this acting agent causing the changes. And with this stark contrast um, with CET in that model, what is responsible for the changes in the or- in the organisms, excuse me? Well, you summarize it so well <laughs> in the fact that CET is a, is a life-focused approach and natural selection is a death-focused fo- approach. Ergo, we know that natural selection could never have been the Lord's designed mechanism for how organisms would have adapted because it's a death-driven view. So they're, they're completely different. And we're approaching organisms as if they were really, truly engineered. We're taking that seriously. We're not just giving it lip service. We're saying these organisms are engineered. Mm-hmm. And the Lord made them so that we can understand how they operate. So they're not going to operate in ways that humans can't figure out. If we couldn't figure it out, then we could never we could never conclude that they were fully engineered. I mean, anybody could say how they got here. They could say they evolved, or they could say aliens, or mm-hmm. you know, or magic. But He made them so that we could figure out how they work. Praise the Lord, because we can do medicine and we can do all kinds of stuff because we can figure out how they work. So. If they can be reversed engineered, then we can make some presuppositions about a model to explain them. Here's a couple. One, we might assume, and there's good basis for this, that biological functions, which includes adaptation, are best explained by engineering principles. That the engineering principles that we see all around us will probably be a good way to characterize how organisms function. And the one we're focusing on now is adaptation. Second, that this is a new thought for some people. Even though we can use biology to help give engineers good ideas in terms of technology that they want to develop, engineering can help inform biology as to what we should expect to find when we do biological research. So if we see a man-made thing performing a function and we see a living thing doing a similar function, and we know how the man-made thing works, when it comes time to investigate the living thing, maybe we can use the man-made thing as guidance as to, hey, let's look for this, and let's look for this, and let's look for this. And that's one of the main bases for CET. CET says continuous environmental tracking, and it's assuming that humans make adaptable things, and they do that by tracking their environment. Sometimes they actively track, sometimes they passively track. But they're tracking their environment, and when the environment changes, they initiate the self-adjustments to make it happen Mm -hmm. that way. So then we would say, hmm, we hypothesize that when, when organisms adapt, they're going to use the same mechanisms as a man-made thing. Okay. That makes sense. And I, I'm really excited as we continue to flesh this out, and of course we're going to have to continue this in another episode, but I, I love where this is going and how 
it's really changing, you know, it's shifting the perspective. And, um, you know, we have natural selection and that it claims that nature is the, the agent. Um, and it's a random external source. But you mentioned at the top of the podcast that it's really just a, a catch-all when we talk about what's going on with creatures. It's just a catch-all explanation um, and even mystical, as you said, that causes these changes. But CET, it lies within, the agency lies within the creatures. And um, I don't know that, would you say that there are any other people who are p promoting this view that we could um, start seeing other people and their explanation as far as CET? Yes, there are. Um, there's actually several groups who are trying to promote an engineering-based mm -hmm. um, view of biology. Uh, that's probably the best way to go. In fact, I think engineering is going to make some sense of biology. Engineering will strip out the mysticism mm -hmm. that Darwin introduced and the magic that he put in and the circular thinking that he put in and, of course, this massive personification of nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it, Ivana. How many engineers would ever, would ever add... At this point, nature selected for that, or at this point, nature <laughs> favored this. When we use our explanations, we look at specific elements in a causal chain, and we don't add any magical steps of which we can't quantify, like mm -hmm. through an unquantifiable selection pressure, or since we don't even know what's being selected on an organism to assume that something's being selected. No, when we see changes from an engineering perspective, we... We look at the change in the environment, we try to look at the traits that solve that, and then we would look for the genetics or epigenetic mechanisms and all the systems behind that to explain the change, just like an engineer would methodically lay everything out without adding any magical steps or leaving important things out, which I think we're going to have to get to on our next podcast. Mm -hmm. But uh, the engineering perspective, uh, in my opinion, is going to liberate biology from the dregs of Darwinism, which they, they think they've saved it from magic, but they right. haven't. They've actually plunged it into magic. They've plunged it into this mysticism. And from a Christian perspective, uh, they've plunged it into a death-driven worldview, mm -hmm. which we as Christians should find repugnant. Yeah. Thank you. I, I think that sums it up well. And um, without, we're, it's so hard for us to not give away everything right now, but tying all of that together and just showing how if it really does have an engineering focus or um, when we look at engineering and see how we can see purpose within biology, for us as Christians, it's so easy to then attribute that to a creator. And that way we can give glory when we look at biology and these creatures, we can give that credit to the creator, Jesus Christ, um, as we look through a CET lens rather than natural selection that's so, right, exactly. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. Do you have any other closing thoughts? Again, don't give away too much. Yeah, I don't want to give away the farm, but <laughs> it's just an appeal, whoever's listening, to be open-minded. Mm. I know how you were taught in the Darwinian worldview. I know it's externalistic. I know it's emphasis on the, on the environment. I know they see all that stuff. And I know that we relate to the environment we're going to get to that in our next episode that we discuss. How do we relate to the environment? And we're going to explain how we relate to those environmental changes and actually even explain that from an engineering perspective. So people have to stay tuned to that. But if you are open-minded, uh, looking at creatures, what they really are, these active problem-solving entities that can take on challenges and fill niches, that will completely change 
the way you see biology from this day going forward. Wow. Okay. Well, I will keep an open mind. So that means all of our listeners and viewers have to. I'm just kidding. That's right. But thank you for that uh, preview of what's to come in our next episode. And thank you for being here and starting that ball rolling with us so we can really discuss this idea. And uh, thank you to all of our viewers and listeners. We appreciate you guys following along. Continue to do so by subscribing to our podcast on YouTube or anywhere else you get your podcast. We're so glad to have you with us. Again, my name is Ivana, and we'll see you next time on the Creation Podcast.